So our spotlights continue on Jacksonville's morning news. It's 839. Thanks for being here on this Thursday morning. I'm Rich Jones. We have um, a lot of early voting opportunities for you. Obviously, I haven't uh, yet taken advantage of it. In Duval County, early voting continues through Sunday. In Clay and Nassau County, that continues through Saturday. And I bring up those three counties because that's the fourth judicial circuit. And our spotlight today is focused on the public defender's race. Uh, earlier this week, we were talking with the state attorney um, challenger, Melissa Nelson, on Tuesday. The incumbent, uh, Angela Corey yesterday. Tomorrow morning, we're scheduled to speak with Wes White, the third challenger in that, or the second challenger, the third uh, representative in that race for state attorney on Jacksonville's Morning News. The last half hour, we spoke with the challenger, Charlie Kofer, who leads in a UNF poll that was just uh, published today. It was done for the Times Union. Kofer leading the incumbent, Matt Shirk, 43 to 21 percent among likely Republican primary voters, but the uh, undecideds or those who say they don't know or haven't voted yet at 36 percent. As we bring in the incumbent, Matt Shirk, do you look at that as being an opportunity? You can still try to sway voters over to your side? Uh, you know, we've just been focused on knocking on lots of doors and talking to actual voters. Um, we've hit about 20,000 doors up to this point and tend to continue, uh, hopefully hit about another 5,000 doors before Election Day. Do you feel like um, you need to educate voters on the role of the public defender? You know, there is there is a lot of education. You know, voters um, in general don't seem to know a whole lot about what the pu- public defender does or what our role is in the criminal justice system, let alone how we impact just the community in general. How personal have you needed to get with voters who have been seeing the the issues that you face, the ethics investigations and dating back to 2013 and the personal issues that you were involved in? Have you had to kind of go places that are a little bit uncomfortable to go with voters? Very rarely, um, surprisingly. And I'm as I've said before, I'm I'm willing to talk about any of those issues if voters have questions. Um, It just hasn't come up much. Uh, I've personally knocked on almost 3000 doors. And, um, and as well as going around to different events and community uh, uh, to, to talk with voters. And it's come up, maybe I can count on one hand the number of times I've had questions. Your challenger, who was just in studio, Charlie Kofer, talked about ethics uh, in the office. What personal ethics do you have today? And what, how do you intend to have those ethics carry forward in leadership in the public defender's office if you're reelected? Um, a lot of good things have come out of making poor decisions and having to publicly be humiliated for those decisions like I did. Um, I, th- I think the best way I could describe my my ethics today would be um, a decision I made in September of 2013, which was to uh, surrender my life to Jesus Christ. It, it changed uh, the way I think. Um, it changed in it. Anyone who has had an, that experience, it changes your life forever. It's the only way I could describe my my ethics today, uh, very different from where I was at just uh, uh, three years ago. So how has it changed how you interact in the office and how you lead the office? Um, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that's hard to describe. Um, but, um, you know, when you um, put God first in your life, um, honesty, um, uh, integrity, and things like that um, come through. Uh, in every aspect of your life. Can you bring faith into the office? How do you bring it into the office? I mean, is it part of one-on-one meetings that you have with the attorneys in the public defender's office? Um, I, I mean, I'm not, I, it's not that I'm uh, bringing faith into conversations with attorneys and how I interact with staff. No, I mean, it's a personal decision that I made. And it's, um, um, you know, it, when you live your life for God, you live, you you want to follow his rules. You want to follow what God has in in his plan for you. And, and that's that's the way I'm living my life. 
For those who, who may be new to Jacksonville, it was 2013. Times Union reported how you had hired women, sent them sexual messages, um, then fired them to save your marriage. Do you feel voters have moved past the grand jury and state ethics investigation? You had a grand jury calling you to resign. Did you really seriously consider that at any point? Absolutely, I did. How close were you to resigning? Um, I don't know how close I was, but it's certainly something that I considered uh, doing. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be honest with you if I didn't say that I didn't consider that. Um, uh, but in the end, I decided that this was the right path, and, and that's the path we're on. And do you feel that voters have moved beyond that? I guess we'll find out on Tuesday whether they've moved beyond that. I, I think if I lose this election, it will be because of that. Um, I, I don't think it's because they've chosen my opponent over me because he's a better candidate. Um, if you look at our record and the things that we've done to improve the criminal justice system, uh, we're cl- I'm clearly the better candidate. Um, if I lose the election, it'll be because of that. The um, uncertainty that still is out there is the Florida Ethics Commission's case. It's still ongoing. Is, is it your intent to settle it? And, Absolutely. And, I mean, that can't be settled before Tuesday's election, but is there a timeline that exists for attempting to settle that with the State it, Ethics Commission? It, it will be settled. I've been offered an opportunity to pay a fine and have the matter closed, and that's what I intend to do. It's just a matter of timing. When When is it expected to happen? And what's the fine? I don't I I I don't have all those details. It's just been a, 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 a discussion I've had, or actually a letter I received, and a discussion I had with the advocate for the ethics commission from the attorney general's office. Okay, so th- that doesn't happen before Tuesday's election. I don't know how it could happen before Tuesday's election. Do you think um, that but hurts? it will happen? I, d- I don't think people are focused on this, other than when you know members of the media have have discussed it, or when my opponent. Uh, brings it up, which is every chance it gets. As we look ahead and uh, the talent that you have in the office, and it was a question, uh, a line of questioning that we had with uh, Charlie Cofer, your challenger, about not just attracting top-level talent, but how to keep them from the allure of private practice out, out in the community. What steps have you taken in the office to keep some of the top-level talent, and what have you learned about those steps that you've taken so that you can carry that forward should you be reelected? Yeah, you know, we've I think we've done remarkably well at keeping good talent in the office just a few weeks ago, it didn't get much attention, but three of our lawyers that we brought on became board certified in criminal trial work, which is a very, very difficult thing to do. There are only 18 of them in the, in, in the Jacksonville bar. Um, and what we've done is try to give them incentives. For instance, those three individuals, they we gave them a financial incentive if they would um, undertake uh, the, the rigorous effort to become board certified. Um, we give uh, increases in pay when when lawyers do an effective job. Um, and we've done a very effective job uh, at representing the people of this community and the Constitution. Um, just since January of this year, we've of, of all the jury trials we've had, uh, we have about a 60% favorable verdict on behalf of our clients. Uh, and that, that strengthens the Constitution and strengthens uh, uh, the criminal justice system when we do an effective job. Uh, despite what my opponent says, uh, we have a, a number of talented lawyers uh, who've elected to stay and work in the office uh, because they're committed to protecting the Constitution and to the cause that we have. Our spotlight on the public defender's race continues with the incumbent, Matt Shirk. We were talking on Facebook Live during the commercial break about not just access to mental health as well, but the role that the public defender's office can potentially play in opportunities that have yet to be explored to deal with people with mental illness. Because once they get into the public defender's office, the crime, whether they've committed it, obviously they're alleged to have committed it, has already occurred. So what impact can the 
public defender's office specifically make to help treat people with mental illness or at least shepherd them through the criminal justice system? You know, we're a reactive agency. Someone gets arrested, as you said, then then we get involved. Um, so we've tried to do a number of things, be vocal in the community, be active in the community, raise awareness to the mental health problem that we have in the criminal justice system. Um, I think I was saying earlier that the Duval County Jail is the largest mental health provider in, in the circuit, and un- that's very unfortunate. Um, we have to do better at, at, at determining w- when someone has a mental illness earlier so that they don't end up in jail and they don't end up in the criminal justice system. We've worked with our legislature to um, uh, secure funding for um, mental health um, court. We've uh, lobbied for changes in the mental health area, um, and um, there, there's a lot we can do. Um, just to raise awareness. How about from a legal standpoint? Do you hire attorneys who have specialties in mental health arena? We do. We have um, we have a staff that we represent people of a Baker Act proceeding, which is um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that right. or if the listeners are, but Baker Act when someone uh, has been involuntary committed, and um, we worked uh, with our legislature to over the last few years, and finally this last year we've got funding to hire an additional attorney and. and money to pay that attorney uh, to do nothing but mental health, uh, for mental health court, for our Baker Acts, and to try to divert our clients after they're arrested into these uh, special programs for mental health. Should a lower level offender, whether it's someone who has a mental health issue or is a drug offender, marijuana, um, small amounts, should they stay in the legal system? Should they stay locked up behind bars? Mm-hmm. What efforts ha- will you take going forward if you're reelected mm-hmm. to ultimately change that in any way? We've seen it at a federal level. So what on the local level would you want to see change? For seven years, we have fought for smart justice programs. Smart justice programs hold people accountable, do it at a fraction of the cost and actually fix the problem. Um, and you've seen it through our advocacy for veterans court. Um, we've, and there's a number of other areas, but we've, we've lobbied the legislature. We've talked about it publicly and we'll continue to do that because recidivism rates are very high for overall incarceration for the state of Florida. 69% of the people reoffend within three years of being released. Uh, and that's unbelievable. Uh, and it's something we've known for decades that the, that the, um, incarceration just doesn't work. And, uh, but these smart justice programs still hold people accountable. We're talking about nonviolent drug offenders. Holds people accountable and actually fixes the problem. To send somebody to jail, it's twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year. You can send them through one of these smart justice community-based programs, and you're talking about thirty-five hundred dollars a year. It's a no-brainer. It's a win for the taxpayer. It's a win for the community, and actually stops the revolving door that we see through incarceration. Florida's primaries next Tuesday. Early voting continues into this weekend. And in the public defender's race, the incumbent Matt Shirk and his challenger, Charlie Kofer. Thank you both for being in studio this morning.